When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, baby. Welcome to the Smart People Podcast. Sit back, grab a drink, tune in your brain. Ask not what your country can do for you. This nation will rise up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Smart People Podcast. I am one of your special hosts, Chris Stemp. The other super special host is Jonathan Rojas. Hey, that's John, me. how you doing? That's me. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to expect right now. It was a different little intro there. Hey, I'm trying to trying to mix it up. You know, we've what are we on episode like 25? I'm, tr- I'm trying, 79, to, figure out, trying think, to figure out what yeah. works. So anyways, today on this episode of Smart People Podcast, it's pretty cool. We're going to tackle a subject that uh, everybody out there I, I feel like is going to like because everybody writes to us and wants us to cover it. We're going to talk a little bit about what the hell you're doing with your life. Honestly, I mean, everybody knows that I've kind of wondered what I'm doing. We're going to talk about how to figure out what your personality traits are, you know, really how to get to know yourself through using different methods, specifically the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which many people have heard of. They, you know, oftentimes in places like business school, they tell you to go take this test and it's like 65 questions and it gives you basically a four letter code. It tells you what you're all about. So today we're going to speak with Donna Dunning. She has a PhD in psychology. She's an author, a consultant, certified teacher, and a member of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator International Training Faculty. She specializes in the areas of career development, learning, and work performance. Work performance is something I think John needed a little refresher on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And spoiler alert, we are not going to solve your boring lives. We're just going to attempt to help. Buy a motorcycle. Yes, and no helmet. (laughs) What I find interesting in talking to Donna is um, I took the Myers-Briggs test, and I know, Roach, you did as well, and lo and behold, we are one and the same, right? Yes, we are. Imagine that. It's funny because... It's We ended up getting the title ENFP, which is – I actually don't know what it stands for. Do you? It stands for Extroverted Intuitive Feeling Perceiving. So basically, it's extroverted intuition with introverted feeling. So anyways, we urge you guys to take the Myers-Briggs, maybe I guess after listening to the interview or maybe before. You'll be surprised at what it tells you about yourself. Both Roach and I, when we figured out what we were, we kind of laughed because we do a lot of things the same way. We're both kind of, Roach, you might be able to put it more eloquently. I I might say quitters. I don't know. Is, is Is that what you think? I don't, well... I don't want to say quitters because we focus intently on things that we're interested in. But I know for my job, if there, if I'm given a task that is boring or mundane, 
I'll start it and I'll go at it, you know, for let's say 15, 20 straight minutes. And then I'll just be like, eh, push it to the side. So I guess you could call that quitting, but it's selective quitting. Yeah. And it talked about uh, love to come up with ideas, but don't like to enact them. And I think that they stole that from me because I have created probably 300 money-making inventions in the past year alone. <laughs> I just haven't made them yet. The bed piss trough being one of them. The, be the bed urinal. And tell me, I mean, seriously, a urinal right on the side of the bed or perhaps even a compartment where you can just roll over and pee. Yeah, I don't so, see how that could be gross. You would do something with the sanitation and things, but I'm telling you, like waking up at five in the morning to get up and pee ruins people's sleep. If you could train your body to do that while still sleeping. Well, this is true. It does ruin five to 10 year olds and then 75 to 90 year olds. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I'd say I those people between 11 and well, I like 74. I stay hydrated. <laughs> okay, well, I hydrate. One thing that I I did want to say about this this personality test traits that we were given, especially through high school, most of college, and then I would even say my career so far, I've gotten by from being a people person. Right. And everybody they'll instantly gravitate towards you and like you as a person, and then they kind of look at your work performance as secondary. So, yeah, it's so true. It's like, oh, this is a great guy. We want to have him on the team, on the project. Not necessarily because you do the best work, but because you get along with everybody. But so I don't want you guys to think that we are, you know, this whole interview is only about Myers-Briggs and things like that. It's just the main facet that we kind of talk about. But she also gives some other ideas about basically how to learn about yourself and just how to figure out where you're going, what's going to make you happy. Because I know that that's kind of one thing we're all interested in. It's basically what we search for is just happiness in one way or the other. And she, I mean, her career is based around helping people figure out what works with them. I can't speak to all the other personality types, but I know just in talking to John and everything, my, my parents filled it out and they said the same thing. It's pretty accurate. So if you haven't done it yet, Roach, why don't you tell them the website that we recommend? It's $5. It's legitimate website, Myers-Briggs. I can't remember the, what is it, John? It's personalitypage.com. Please do not be turned off by the fact that the site looks like it was built in 1994 and <laughs> it, hasn't been updated since because it is an awful, awful looking site. And it's, yeah, it, it's a good thing to have. That, that site was actually recommended to me by a um, professor at Harvard, a psychology professor at Harvard who I spoke to about. He kind of was helping mentor me with some uh, when I was looking into psychology and, and all that stuff. He told me to take this test, see what it says about you. And lo and behold, it, one of the top careers, it said I should be a psychologist. But it is what it is, but so check yeah, that out. It, it told me that I should be a consultant because that's one of the top jobs on there too, which yeah. as you know, kind of upset me because that's where I am right now. But yeah, the but other you're, jobs you're are a wrong government there. consultant. That's yeah, the thing. true. true. You know, that doesn't count. You're right. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. You know, take a listen to Donna. Give us your feedback. We always like to hear that. Check us out at www.smartpeoplepodcast.com. Make sure to use our Amazon widget as always. We appreciate it. Twitter, Smart People Pod, and Facebook. Roach, you got anything else? I think you got it all. Enjoy the interview. Learn a little something about yourselves. Okay, Donna. Well, I know that you deal a lot with 
personality typing and things like that, something that I've talked a lot about on this show, finding your passion and, and the career that fits you. I was hoping you could kind of give a more in-depth understanding of what it is that you do and then also how you got to where you are today. Well, that's a long story. So <laughs> what, what I would say if I was trying to summarize what I do, I do all sorts of things, but uh, my goal is to help people learn about themselves and figure out who they are and what kind of lifestyle fits for them. So I do that in a variety of ways. I used to do a lot more uh, individual counseling and I did a lot of assessments as a psychologist for adults who had learning difficulties or were having difficulty with work, trying to maintain employment or with executives who were looking for new challenges or, you know, really wide. I've been fortunate enough to have a wide variety of clients I've worked with from people really struggling to people who are really successful, midlife career changers, young people. So I'm very fortunate that way. And one of the tools I use is the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator tool, which is an assessment that helps people look at how they naturally approach life and work. And that, by understanding that, gives them some insights into what directions might fit best for them. So through that work, I've started to do more training and training of career counselors and training of um, human resources professionals so that they can use the Myers-Briggs tool and I can help them figure out how to um, use clients' um, self-understanding or build client self-understanding. And I've put some of that stuff into writing so that can be more widely accessible and now I'm mostly fascinated with social media and like to get those ideas out there online too to help people because not everybody has the time or resources to access career counseling because it's not easy to get advice now on how to figure out what to do. Right, right. And then how did you get to where you are? How did you kind of come across all this? Did you know it was the field you wanted to go into or how did that work? When I was really young, I wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> okay, okay. In my very first university lab, in the very first term, I had to piss a frog, and it was like on the uh, table, and I had to scramble its brains out and stuff, and I just went like, oops, this is wrong. <laughs> I'm going into this field. And took a psychology course and went, wow, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I was lost. Like I just from there on, it was psychology for me. I just I love people. I love trying to hear people, understand people, hear their stories, figure out you know who they are and what where they're coming from. And it's always been a fascination. That's great. Now, for example, what about somebody who I'm sure you see a lot of it. Somebody who feels kind of that they're in the wrong career, which I think happens. I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm becoming aware of it, but it seems to happen more often than not these days. What is yeah. the first piece of advice you would kind of offer somebody who feels stuck or that they're not at their true calling but doesn't know exactly where to go from there? Well, you know, it's quite funny, but I think it's actually one of the most difficult things to do is to know yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to understand yourself. And you know, there's so many pressures out there to be who you're not. Like you, you're born in a family and, you know, maybe your parents wanted you to get what they couldn't or they want you to be who they are or they just see that they want. I mean, I think most parents want the best for their kids, but they may have a pretty clear idea of what that looks like, whereas it might not be what suits 
the child. Mm-hmm. And then you get into school, and then the teachers have a certain way of looking at things, and you get into a peer group, and and then societal images come at you. And I think it's just really, really hard to sort out yourself. So mm-hmm. I think that's the first thing to do is try and sit back and say, you know, what's important to me? And although it sounds like a really simple question, I think it's really hard to answer. What do you think the first steps in are in trying to f- figure out yourself? I know you are um, a big believer in the Myers-Briggs and things like that. Are there other avenues to learn about what you like and your and what you're good at? Oh, for sure. The Myers-Briggs is just one piece. Okay. I, I would, uh, you know, I, I get really concerned when people only use one tool and then they build their, you know, I mean, the the sort of like if the Myers-Briggs is a hammer, then they see the world as a nail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you really want to be careful not to be a, a sort of one, one way of looking at yourself. Because at first, I think, is the realization that, okay, you know, how do I sort my what I want out from what's around me? And then just your experiences, what have you enjoyed, what have you not enjoyed, what's a struggle for you, what seems to come naturally, um, what are you interested in, you know, what's important to you, your values. So I think there's so many different, like you could take all these online tools and things, but and and there's lots of good ones out there, but the bottom line is processing them all. You know, I ran career planning workshops for years, and, you know, there's tons of tools out there. I did a, a, a project for the government where I had um, looked at all the government tools that the career counselors were using, mm-hmm. and there were over 100 different tools. So there's tons of tools, right? They're not the issue. But the issue is once you finish the tool, you have to say, so what? Like, what does that tell me about myself? So if you take an interest inventory and it says, well, you should be a, a clergy and you're not really into formal religion, then you have to say to yourself, okay, well, what's this telling me then? I'm interested in what, you know? <laughs> right. People or you have to take it and think about it. Okay. So for somebody at home who might not have access to a professional career counselor or might not have the funds to do so, what are some tools you would recommend to just maybe get started on this journey of learning yourself? Yeah, well, I I do recommend the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. I mean, it's a tool I found really helpful Mm -hmm. because what it looks at is how you naturally approach things, so how you approach work, how you approach life. And you can do it online. You can do the official one online at the MBTI Complete website for, yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's under $100. Okay. And it's, um, and then think about it. Like, don't just take it at face value. Because what the tools give you is what you put into the tools. And if I can just give you one example of a career planning workshop, I had a fellow who came into a workshop and we went through interests and values and lifestyle and constraints and aptitude testing. We had, like, it was a two day workshop, right? But he came in with a mindset is, I want to be a forest warden. Like, I want to work in the forest ranger in the parks, right? Right. And so whenever he answered all of these things, he was, you know, he was thinking about, okay, this is what a, a ranger uh. is, right? And he answered it all. And so finally you get to the end where you go into the um, research part of it. And, you know, the first thing he realizes is he has to go to university for four years, and he's not. And, that, you know, he doesn't learn that way. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, well, I don't want to do this. Now what am I <laughs> going to do? And I'm thinking, okay, you know, you have to go all over again and just take that out of your head when you start looking at things. Right? Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of start open-minded and not have one particular idea in mind when you start. And, right. and think, I guess I keep saying you really have to think about what you're getting from 
the tools out there. So, you know, go online and take some tools, but think about them. Um, one thing I find is really helpful is the Holland's Codes, too. You've, have you heard of those? I have not, no. Okay, so what um, Holland did years ago is a tool called the Self-Directed Search, and I believe you can take that online, too. But what he said is that you can divide people in work into sort of these big six-interest themes. So there's people in, in, in occupations that are social and enterprising and investigative and artistic and conventional and realistic. So you can take short inventories and things. There's one in my What's Your Type of Career, you know, just a short inventory, or you'll find them online. And then you can go into a huge database, something like the ONET. If, if um, people haven't heard of that, it's one they should really, um, in the U.S. especially, although the jobs are common across other countries, but uh, it's called OSTARnet, and you uh, just in there, and you can put in your those three-letter codes, and it'll tell you all sorts of occupations. Oh wow! With codes. Yeah, so that's a fun way to, and I have that on a on a blog on my website, sort of a, a short summary of those six codes, and then how people can. It, you can click right in there to access the ONET. And, and then it's occupational research, too, that people need to do. Because a lot of us don't look or consider work that we're unfamiliar with. Right. That really limits us, right? Yeah. And actually, that was one of my questions for you is, I feel like I know I was failed when it comes to planning. I, I never had anyone really say, hey, think about what it is. I mean, nobody forced me into anything. But why do you think that is? Why do you think these tools aren't more often used for young kids or high schoolers, even in colleges? Yeah, one of my pet peeves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the schools are just trying to deal with their curriculum, and it's just never been. I mean, we've had, I'm in Canada, so we've had some you know, career life management courses, one course in your high school or whatever, and at that point, the kids are not in that mindset to start with. And also, it's usually given to a teacher who has a spare or needs an extra course to pick up and isn't really a skilled career counselor because it's not something you get into the public schools unless you you know work in the guidance department. And they're usually pretty busy with some um, problems. So right. it's just not part of the curriculum. I gave up on having schools educate my kids. Yeah. Long time ago, it's just, I mean, not, and I, you know, don't get me wrong, I think there's so many really skilled teachers, and I think teachers, many of them, most of them are really passionate about what they do, and they're trying really hard, but you get a classroom with a whole bunch of kids and a whole bunch of special needs, and you've got this great range of skill levels and behavioral issues and everything else, and you're just trying to meet a guideline where they have to write an exam at the end, and it's really tough, I, and I've been in a public school for short periods of time as a teacher, and, and um, you know, you don't really have the luxury of doing, if you want to call it moral guidance or life skill building, or it's just not part of the right. curriculum. Right. And, and I think that's wrong, but it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't have strong opinions about this at all, do I? <laughs> no, believe me, that's that's why I'm interested in it because I feel the same way as you. It's kind of mind-blowing. But so many people even write into the podcast because I talk about it often and they say, yeah, can you get somebody on who could help us out a little bit? Because nobody, you know, nobody knows where to start. Exactly. Oh, I guess along those lines, say somebody comes into a, a workshop of yours, and I know you mentioned some things that 
are commonplace in your profession, but I know I don't know much about, and I'm assuming many people don't. What do you kind of, um, I guess, could you walk us through what you get them to do? I know you mentors kind of, uh, you mentioned interest, listing your interests and things that you don't like and kind of some exercises you might have them, them do. Right. So basically when I look at career planning, when I'm introducing it to um, anyone, it's first thing you have to do is self-assessment. So there's a whole bunch of tools and things you can use there. And I'll just kind of go through the steps of it all, and then I'll go back to the self-assessment. Okay, great. So you have to assess yourself, and then you have to say, okay, so what kind of options are out there for someone? If if you have, like, ten things you'd kind of like to have some work, you know, what might fit with that? So you have to have some knowledge of the world of work, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to find some options and you have to do some research and figure out a match or uh, something that will align to it. And then you have to do some, you know, decision-making pros and cons, how it'll affect the people, and there's a whole part of that that we also aren't taught about how to make a good decision. Right. And then after that, there's the whole action planning, so you have to be able to figure out, you know, how do I learn the stuff I need to get in there? Is it formal education? Can I learn some other way? Is there? Do I need to just write a really good resume? Do I need to go out there and schmooze? How do I, how do I market myself, right? So right. that's the whole process from the beginning to the end. So back to the self-assessment, um, that's where you really, and I think the main things you want to look at is what interests you. You know, who are you? What, when you watch TV, what shows attracted you? Are you someone who just sits and watches TED Talks for fun? Are you someone who, you know, really likes to get out and be active? You know, just where, where do you get your energy from? Okay. And then what, what's important to you personally, your values? And again, it's really hard to sort these out from all the societal pressures to value well, money and, and um, success as measured by status and really looking at, you know, is that true for me? What is it for me that would make me feel like I'm doing something worthwhile? Okay. Is it helping somebody? Is it figuring out a really thorny problem? Is it, you know, being able to kind of sit back and analyze the situation? Is it, you know, jumping in there and fighting a fire? Like everyone has something you know, that kind of makes them feel like they're really contributing something. Right, right. What is that for you? Is it your family? And and you know what? It, there isn't one time that you can finish your career planning. You know, I'm in my 50s and I'm still changing <laughs> my career. <laughs> As, your situations change. You know, I was doing different things when I was raising young kids than I was when I was single, when I was when I was a young married, when I was, you know, when my kids are older. So it always changes, too. So you have to keep doing this, right? Right. Working through it. And then look at skills. What are you good at? And why are you good at it? So, I mean, you know, I can be good at some things and really not enjoy them. So you really have to stop there and say, because I think that's a big trap. A lot of people get in who have been educated and have a skill set. I call it the golden handcuff. Mm -hmm. You might be really good at something and you might have the skills for it. It might make you more money than anything else you could do right now. But at the end of the day, you get home and you go like, oh, I hate doing this. <laughs> yeah. But there's mortgage. Yeah. I, I think that <laughs> that has has uh, affected a lot of people. I know a lot oh, of people that have gone that route. <laughs> oh, yeah. You come home and you say, I hate my job. And you open the mailbox and there's six bills. And you go, okay, well, I'll <laughs> Right. I mean, I mean, I call that the golden handcuffs because it just. And then you have to stop and say, you know, do I need two cars? Do we, you know, does our family need two cars? Do we, you know, need this mortgage? Do we? Where do we want to be? You know, what? It's so basic to really stop and 
instead of just going through your life, because everyone's pretty busy, but to take that time to stop and say, you know, what is this life like? Do I want to travel? Do I want to stay in one place? Am I, you know, am I a homebody? Am I a go-getter? Am I a, you know, really want to nurture my kids more? You know, mm-hmm. what, what do I want to do right now? Hmm. And it's hard. It It is difficult for sure. Huh. I wanted to to talk to you a little bit about personality typing and the Myers Briggs because I know you're, um, you know, very well versed in it. Could you yeah, just? That's my passion. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit more about it and kind of how how it works and and how to you know I'm just more interested in the workings of it I guess. For sure. So um, how the Myers Briggs works is it's really quite simple. It's four um, opposites. So. When you look at people, and you know if you've had any, if you've been uh, in a family, or if you have kids, or you know anybody, you'll just look at people, and sometimes they just approach things in a way that just seems weird, like odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go like, what are they thinking? And what the Myers Briggs says is helps you understand just natural approaches that people have to things. Now. It isn't explaining everything, or it isn't um, it isn't defining who you know who you can be. It's just simply looking at how you naturally approach things. So there's four pairs. You either focus yourself outward or inward as a preference. So everybody has to go outward and talk to people and do things, and everyone has to go inward and reflect and think about what they're going to do first. Like it, everybody does both, what they call extroversion and introversion in this model, but you prefer one. So you know those people, those little kids who just sit there and watch everything going on, and that's their processing. They're taking it in. And the other kid is out there jumping off the walls, and he's processing it out there. (laughs) Right. So that's the first pair, right? And again, it doesn't say if you're an introvert, you can't be a teacher, right? It just says if you're an introvert and you teach, that'll tire you out more, and and it'll you know take more of your energy from you. You'll need some time to recuperate after. You'd probably prefer a smaller group, right? So it doesn't dictate a career to you. Okay. you a sense of where you're energized, right? Oh, okay. And then there's people who focus first on what's practical and immediate and, and the details and what's there, and there's people who focus on ideas and possibilities, and they're much more random in the way they approach data. So, again, they call those sensing and intuition, just how you take in information. Right. And, again, there's no good or bad or right or wrong, and you have to do both, right? If you don't pay attention to the details, you'll never find your keys and... You know, if you don't have ideas and possibilities, you'll never kind of go anywhere in the future, right? You have to have a, some kind of goal, right? Mm-hmm. But the um, Myers-Briggs type indicator or the personality type model will tell you you'd prefer one over the other. And then there's how you make evaluate information and make decisions. So that's either through a logical process or through what's important to you personally and your values and how the people around you will be affected. And again, you have to be logical and personal you know, objective and subjective about things, but you will likely prefer one over the other. So really, that's what Young says. That's all we do is we either take in stuff, deal with what's coming in for our data, or we evaluate it and decide, right? That's kind of what people do. Right, right. Those are the two middle pieces of the code. And then the last, you get a four-letter code, and the last letter tells you if you like to be structured, organized, make plans, have everything under control or not, if you'd prefer to be more open-ended flexible and approach life in a kind of information-seeking way, so you're always looking for new ideas and being <clears throat> or experiences and being more spontaneous. So when you take those four letters, you come up with a four-letter code that those are your four preferences, 
And then they all interact in a pattern. So it gives you 16 different personality patterns. Uh-huh. But actually, there's been a whole bunch of research showing that they learn different ways. They prefer different kinds of work. They approach situations differently. They communicate with people differently. Um, but it doesn't define you in the sense that, you know, if say you prefer to deal with abstract information, it doesn't mean that you couldn't learn to follow a sequence or be practical if that's part of your life. You have to learn to use all of these eight um, parts of the pair. Okay. But you'll have a natural pattern of the ones that kind of, what um, Chitsa Mahal calls the flow. You've heard of him. He's a psychologist that talks about the flow experience. Yes. Absolutely. You know, time flies by and you're just like feeling like, okay, you know, this is working for me. You know, where you're just feeling energized and it's easy and it's natural and that's when you're using your preferred ways of doing things. Okay. And then your non-preferred ones, you use them, but you have to learn. It's harder. You have to put more energy into them. You have to struggle more. And if you end up in a career that uses your non-preferred ways of doing things, chances are it'll be fairly stressful. Okay. Well, you know, in preparation for this interview, I did I did go on, and it was about time I did the Myers-Briggs, so I took it, and I just wanted to get a quick, you know, I know our listeners might not be interested, but a quick, um, you know, from you, what you think, I got ENFP. What mm-hmm. does that mean? So, okay, so remember we talked about focus outer inward? Right. So, E is outward focus okay. on ideas and possibilities. Um, you tend to evaluate information, make your decisions by what's important to you personally and the people that are close to you. Okay. And you like to keep your options open. So I've heard ENFPs, lots of them say to me, well, I have enough ideas for about 10 careers. I'm not <laughs> going to make it in this lifetime. There are 100 careers, right? That's that's really true. <laughs> or other ones will say, um, you know, I and, and that's one of the things I love is stories. So when I write my books, I collect um, I've been lucky enough to work with lots of people and collect lots of stories. So in, my books are just peppered with stories. But um, one ENFP said to me, "My what I, I do is I fly about a thousand miles high and I'm about half an inch thick. <laughs> just that's how she described it. She was just up there looking at all of the possibilities, all the options. So the driver of that personality is is the intuition. So we talk about the one part of the personality that's co- sort of core to it how you approach things, mm-hmm. and I call them explorers. So it's just ideas, stimulated by ideas, always wanting a new idea. Um, I have a, one interview on, on an interview with a little story about my daughter, who's an ENFP, on my website, and she's 24, and she's got, has had maybe, I don't know, 20 jobs, <laughs> and <laughs> loves them all and done really well. And, um, yeah, so she's traveling around the world right now, and, and she's just, you know, it's all about ideas and possibilities for her. Right. That's, wow. That's her. And structure and planning and being routine and anything that is absolute um, painful. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, you sold me on it now because, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head and we've only been talking for 20 minutes. So. Wow, that's amazing. It but is. It's quite funny because my son, I, I love personality type stuff because it really does help people get a sense of, well, no wonder that's frustrating for me or no wonder that we have trouble talking or whatever. He has preferences for the exact opposite, so he's ISTJ. Okay. So he he likes to know what's coming. He likes to expect what's coming. He's one person that, you know, will really look for 
stability and routine and structure in his life. And then he, you know, got this opposite sister, like, where did they come from? <laughs> it's day and night. And, you know, what he's looking for is this career path. It's going to move slowly along towards, you know, these goals. And he's got, you know, a full-time job and he likes the job and he wants to stay there for a while. And then he's taking another course and he wants to add some expertise and then he wants to get another job. And, you know, he has a very different look at what the world of work should roll out like for him. Right. Then my daughter, who's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'll be something coming up, right? Yep, that's how I think. Well, that's that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us. I did want to talk um, first. I know you have two. I think your two newest books are the one Ten Career Essentials, and you also have one called What's Your Type of Career. Is that correct? Right. Yes, and What's Your Type of Career is is new. It's ten years old, but it's a new edition, so I've updated all of the um, data in it. Oh, okay. The, the occupation. So, what, I'll, I'll talk about What's Your Type of Career because it's the one that talks about um, what's the kind of work that might suit you. Okay, great. So, what it is is an introduction to the personality type and the eight. I call it the eight ways of working because you can put the sixteen into pairs. And I've done. There's been a whole bunch of research done on what. People are more attracted to what kind of work. So you can take, say, accountants and take a sample of them and look at what their personality types are. And then you can look at, you know, what the personality types are normally in the population and say, okay, there's a lot more of a certain type in here than you'd expect. So then you can actually find that research that says there's more of them show up in this kind of work. And, And most of the research also looks at satisfaction. So they're in that work and they're happy with it. So then I can give people some sense of some ideas. Not that you want to necessarily take a list of jobs for your type and say, oh, I have to pick one of these. But it gives you a sense of where people are sort of ending up with your personality preferences, the kinds of work that seems to fit for them. Okay. It talks about how they like to approach work and what makes them happy work. And I'm actually doing a series right now on my website if people aren't wanting to buy books and they just want to look at their type and it has just 20 tips for the kinds of work that would suit someone with a personality type. Oh, wow. Wait, what? Um, could you share with the listeners what your website is? Dunning.ca. And so then it goes through the career planning process and how to make a good career decision and, you know, how to research, how to make decisions. And it customizes it depending on what your personality type is. Because if you're an outgoing, um, want-to-try-things kind of person, you're going to do career planning differently than someone who's more wanting to reflect and get a lot more depth of information, look at things online or go out and really talk about something in a lot more detail with an individual sort of thing. Right. So it's how to do your career planning depending on who you are. Okay. That makes sense. No, it does. Yeah, that's the what's your type of career. And then the 10 career essentials is basically how to be successful at work. And this is all the stuff they should have taught us at school. So it's real basic stuff like, you know, taking self-direction and having a positive outlook and self-responsibility and how to communicate and learn and think, use your thinking effectively and do good work and thrive and change and promote yourself. So it's all of the things that that they should have in the curriculum to be successful at work. So it's Great. sort of a work, work, I call them career success strategies, work skills. And as we mentioned, you know, I think that the school system fails us oftentimes on that. So that, I believe, is a must-pick-up for, for anyone who hears about it, for sure. Yeah, and then the nice thing about that one, too, is they, so say you have preferences for ENFP, mm-hmm. and you read the 
chapter on, you know, doing good work or, or getting, you know, producing well, I'll talk in there about the fact that follow-through probably isn't one of your greatest strengths, that you're no. more interested in initiating a new project than you are. In, like for ENFPs, they tend to get less excited about following through something that's already established than they are about starting something else that's new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When I get to that chapter, I give each type some specific tips for their type because some of the skills may be more or less challenging for different types. Okay. But builds that piece into there as well. Wow. That's fantastic. I'm I'm super interested in it. I know I'm going to um, be picking these up because it's a passion of mine. And okay. we'll, we'll be sure to put links to both your books and your website on our website because I think, as I mentioned, we get a lot of people who – who comment that they want to learn more about this, and I think this will be really helpful. Awesome. So, Donna, I know we've we've kind of gone over time, but I, I'm, it's something I really enjoy. So, thank you again so much for being on the show. And um, and yeah, and best of luck with all this in the future. And I appreciate you helping the lost souls of the world. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got lots of ideas, so I'm excited to follow your career, too, because you're trying something really interesting. So congratulations on that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, welcome back from the interview. Hope you learned a little something about yourself, or perhaps you're going to learn something about yourself coming up. You know, I'm in the giving mood right now. I don't know. How about you, Roach? I guess you could say so. Kind of. Want to give, wanna give away some uh, some books? Well, I got books laying around all over the place, and I feel like it's time to give the winners their due. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. Let's do it. All right. What do you got going on? Well, I've got three copies of uh, Andrew Breitbart's book, Righteous Indignation, here. I went ahead and pulled some people from Twitter and Facebook, and the three winners for these books are Ange Cop. James Reese and Jeffrey Miller. So we'll reach out to you, get your address, and uh, have those books in the mail to you. Yeah, and I got I got a couple books here. I have two copy of Nicole Dayton's book, the one about sex, a few episodes back that I know everybody's been dying to get their hands on. We're gonna send that to Suzanne Swint and also one man named Joe Ruth. So if you guys are listening, you are the big winners. I also, just because he seemed like a cool guy and we appreciate him participating in Facebook, we're going to send Vincent Brown a book for an episode we actually have coming up in the future. So he won beforehand. And this book is going to be, it's called Change Anything. And it's about how to promote change in your life and just how to keep yourself on the right track. Maybe he'll like it, maybe he won't, but it's free. So if any of you guys are out there listening, we sent you some messages either via Facebook or Twitter, and it's uh, it gives you know our email is smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com, or you can just message us back. These aren't spam or anything like that. We just need your mailing address so we can send out books like we've done to you know dozens of people in the past, and we will have more to come coming up. So keep listening. Also, I know I've been excited about it for a little while now. John has been dying to read the book, but in a few weeks, we are going to have a very special guest, one of the largest names we've had on the podcast, Dr. Gary Chapman. Oh, and I thought you were going to say Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is coming up soon after that. He just won't return my calls. I have no idea why. Huh. Does, does he not know we're from Smart People Podcast? I don't 
I don't know. If you're not familiar with Gary Chapman, you should be or your girlfriend is because he wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. He's been on Oprah. He's literally changing the way that relationships function for the good or bad. I, I don't know. He's well known, widely respected. He's just one of the awesome guests we have coming up in the future, but we're going to promote this. We're going to start promoting this one a few weeks out. So look back in about three weeks for for his interview. You got anything else there, Johnny? You know what? I've, I've got nothing, man. All right. Well, um, I know you like all these Twitter followers, so I'll speak for John and say, you know, join us on Twitter at Smart People Pod. Get in on the on the world of us. Uh, Facebook Smart People Podcast. And check out our website, smartpeoplepodcast.com. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. See you again in a few days, probably. And get people to follow us on Facebook. We'll do something special for our 200th follower. You know, we'll send them a couple books or have them on the show, whatever it may be. Something cool. Yeah, that sounds good. We want to hit that milestone. I figured that would be the next closest one. Yeah, it'll only take us another two months. No big deal. (laughs) It's sad, though, because we have, what, like seven, eight hundred friends each on Facebook. It hurts my heart. Yeah, but they don't know how to click the like button. It takes a whole 12 seconds out of your day. I know. I know. It's tough. Generation now. Generation me. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Over and out. That's it. See you later.